This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 277 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Available for download or streaming on Monday, July 4th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kenna. All right, why don't we jump right in? Kenna, what do we have this week? Well, this week we trek out whether Brent Spiner would be up for reprising his role as Data... We're looking at Rihanna's new song for Star Trek Beyond and the unveiling of the refurbished Enterprise model at the Smithsonian. In Star Trek Online news, Mark and I are gearing up for Agents of Yesterday, which launches this week. And later, Jace is here with another Trek Lit 101. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Of course, we love to keep the conversation going between the weeks that we publish the show. So visit us at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. And finally, thanks again to all our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash Priority One and find out about all the cool perks we have to offer. If a financial contribution isn't an option, there are other ways that you can help improve Priority One. For instance, we're looking for some bloggers to help improve on the literary content on our site. So if you're interested, let's say you're always in the know of all things Star Trek, then shoot us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's check out some of the latest news in the world of Star Trek. I don't know. Then let's crack it out. Brent Spiner is done with data. Unless the right financial offer is made. Spiner has been making the interview rounds recently in order to promote Independence Day Resurgence, in which he reprises his role as the spacey Dr. Oaken. Although he is unlikely to wear the data makeup, he didn't discount the idea of voicing the character in animation, or perhaps a CGI reconstruction, a la Jeff Bridges in Tron Legacy. He also notes that Star Trek rarely comes up in his own home, and that after just three episodes, his 13-year-old son had had enough. I wonder if he showed them if he if he showed them data lore. Like, is, was that the episode that they started? Like, that he showed his son and like his his android bottom right there on display. Is that the one I'm that he started guess with? Not. Like, Dad, I don't want to see your your prosthetic butt. <laughs> I don't think anybody would want to see their dad's prosthetic butt on TV. Really? And so yeah. However, that was that the one that was really cool where he was playing all three characters at once? No, I don't think Sung was in No, that it was episode. the other one where he went on oh, I can't remember the name of the episode. Ah, the one where he went on like autopilot back to, to back to his dad. And he had to play himself, his brother and his dad all at once. Cuz that was cool. I don't know if you'd think it was as cool if it was your dad. 
but in terms of acting and special effects and everything, it was pretty cool. You know, honestly, though, when I watch these interviews, especially with someone like Brent Spiner or, or Michael Dorn even, I think that some of the actors embrace the fact that their career is Star Trek better than others. Because I'm not going to lie, Brent Spiner looks like he's really hard to interview. He comes off kind of a little standoffish, condescending. I know it's also part of his humor, just kind of who he is. He's very dry and sarcastic. But sometimes he interviews better than other times. And I think it depends on his mood as well. And the interviewer, of course. I just find that whenever I catch an interview, especially a video one, interviewers tend to have a hard time connecting with him. You know, like bouncing back and forth with him. Which is one of the reasons why I would be terrified to interview Brent Spiner. Right? Because I'm not... I'm not a journalist by any stretch of the means, right? We've never professed to be a journalistic podcast in this way. We're fans of yeah. Star Trek and we love talking about it and we love talking to the actors and other fans about the franchise. But I never went to school to interview people, you know? So I'm, I, I, would, I would freeze. I, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be one of those like, uh, Brent, Brent Spinner? Is your name Brent Spinner? Oh, oh it's Spiner. Um, I bet a lot of people get that wrong. <laughs> Uh, No, but, you know, to be fair to him, it must be really difficult to be out there promoting a, you know, a a beloved, well-known character in a major film franchise, and then to have some... Or or Dr. Dr. Oaken. And... Oh, no, exactly. I was kind of about. drawing the silly comparison there, but then, and then being still asked about this guy that you played like twenty years ago, I I can kind of get that would be annoying, and probably everyone asks the same questions as well, and have done for the last twenty years. So I can yeah. kind of get why you'd get annoyed with it after a while, but um, yeah. To be fair, I think it. I'm not sure that reprising data is the right thing for him to do because I think he said before you know it doesn't make sense for data to age right right and he says that in these interviews you know they could totally techno babble it up they could they could retcon it they could they could make it so it fits they did that with Jeff Bridges and Tron Tron Legacy yeah mm, yeah they could do that yeah fine but they, I don't think they could do an older version of data I mean they could say like no. oh we wanted the experience of being it just it would f- well data's dead and what is left uh, is yeah. before they could do it though. Like they could. Let's let's think this through for a second because they totally could say that okay, now his consciousness is transferred into B4 and he eventually, you know, learns all the stuff and wants to be human and which is what technically happens in Star Trek Online. If you read the Countdown series before the first JJ yep. movie, the comics go through in great detail what's happening in the Prime Universe. Geordi is the one that designs the ship that Spock flies with the red matter capacitor. Ah, uh, right. Right, and Data is captain of the Enterprise. Right. But it's technically B4, but it's Data because he transferred his his positronic net over to yeah. B4 and blah, blah, blah. And then even, even the uniforms in the Countdown series are the Star Trek Online uniforms. Oh, really? The Sierra uniforms yeah, that you cool. see in Star Trek Online, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so um, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, so he's still alive. So they could do it. They could voice him. He could voice Data. He could voice data. data, but I wouldn't want to see them make like an old Data. And it just seems like it would be an awful right. lot of effort to bring Data back. Like, yeah, but he's we don't not know. that important of a character to, to warrant all that explanation. But we don't know what happened to the Enterprise. Right now, the Enterprise is lost in space somewhere. 
in the in the Star Trek lore, if Star Trek is continuing canon in the Prime yep. Universe, and even if not, we know that the comics, the IDW comics, are in fact considered canon, then the Enterprise is lost in space somewhere, and Data is the captain. Yeah, but he wouldn't be old. That's the point, and, is what I'm saying. And Jordy works for the for the Nostrum. What is it? The Daystrom Institute. Nostrum. Is- Daystrom. Daystrom. He works for the Nostrum <laughs> Institute. <laughs> What even is that? <laughs> Day strong. Yeah, but uh, nobody wants to see. Nobody wants to see old data because it, d- it wouldn't make sense. They'd have to spend so much time explaining why he was old that it just wouldn't make sense. Captains, what do you think? We want to hear from you about Brent Spiner possibly reprising the role of data. Would you like to see that happen? And if so, in what way? As an aged data? Maybe Data wanted to be more human, and and, and that's what happens in, in the last episodes of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, right? He he shows himself a little aged and a little oh, distinguished yeah. with some gray hair. <laughs> this streak of gray hair. Right, right, right. So would you like to see Data return in some way, shape, or form? Would you want Brent Spiner to voice Data? Let us know in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO277. Well, in case you missed it, the latest Star Trek Beyond trailer was released last week featuring a brand new song written specifically for the film by Rihanna. Now, Rihanna herself is a longtime Star Trek fan, and along with the trailer, she released a music video for the full song and a short video of her explaining what Star Trek means to her. She explains that it was her dad who introduced her to it, and that, quote, This is something that's been a part of me since my childhood. It's never left me. End quote. Now, it's fair to say that fans' reactions to the song have been mixed, and some have even accused Rihanna of not being a real Star Trek fan. But for the most part, reception has been positive, and for good reason. The song, which was co-written by pop powerhouse Sia, really helps legitimize Star Trek as a modern, marketable franchise. And with an emotional tone that's reminiscent of some of the better Bond themes, it adds another dimension to what Paramount has called the final Beyond trailer. And her full-length music video is also worth checking out for the gorgeous Trek-themed artwork, complete with a few nods to iconic images of the past. With respect to the music video itself, I didn't get the direction they were going with in terms of the creativity. Now, it didn't dawn on me until the very end, when she becomes the Nebula, that it was very reminiscent of the original Star Trek, the first Star Trek, the motion picture. I think that that was the theme they were going yeah. for, that she was the master of this planet, you know? And I don't, I don't know, I don't know. And if not reminiscent of the first film, then certainly of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, you know, as they face this, this thing in the middle center of the universe. Yeah, you know, it, uh, personally, I, I I don't like Rihanna much. She's definitely never going to be able to perform that song live because those high notes are definitely yeah, doctored. Well, that's where you can see the influence of Sia getting in there. <laughs> that's yeah, why it sounds so, a bit like a Star Trek theme, and that's where there's the ridiculous high notes. That's, that's, that's Sia's touch. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'm indifferent about it. I appreciate that I felt, hmm, this is like a Bond theme. I can kind of dig it, you know? As far as her being a Trek fan or not, who cares? Yeah, if she is, it's awesome. Like you mentioned, you know, this is bringing it into pop culture, right? That song will likely be played on the radio. People Uh, are going to listen to it. They're going to know it, and they're going to want to go, hey... That sounds interesting. They'll, they'll Their little ears will tune in when they see it on a commercial on TV. And then they'll go and they'll look at the trailer and go, hey, that sounds interesting. Contrast this to the old Beastie Boys theme 
that they did in that that first teaser trailer which a lot of people like really hated which because it felt a bit derivative and it was an older song it wasn't as relevant now they've got you know it's a pop song but it's modern so it's something that's modern and is good marketing and that will benefit i think the franchise so captains will you be traveling much this summer Will one of your destination spots happen to be Washington, D.C.? Because if you are, then you must stop by the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum, where you will find the newly restored TOS Enterprise model used in the original filming. Donated to the Smithsonian by Paramount in 1974, it was taken down from its display in 2014 to begin the restoration process. Now, the model can be seen in the Boeing Milestones of Flight Hall, beginning the 1st of July. So, Washington, D.C. is like a, I don't know, three and a half hours. Is that a day trip? Mm-mm, it's not really a day trip, but go. Go and stay and do the stuff. I used to live yeah, there. Probably it's should. great. It's an awesome place. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to try to... So, so, our graphic artist, Henry, a.k.a. Robin the Nail, he lives down in that in the Baltimore area so it's not DC but it's it's you know not that far so I'm thinking I'm gonna try to meet up with him and go and, and see this and display it's in a glass case now it's not hanging from the ceiling and exposed to the air exposed to the elements uh, so I'm looking forward to it I kind of I kind of think I'm gonna make a little trip to to Washington DC so captains if you're listening and you're from the DC area or from you know New York Pennsylvania Philadelphia area and you want to take a journey reach out to me on Twitter at P1 Elijah. One, the number. P, the number one, Elijah. Or send us an email to incoming at priority1podcast.com. Now let's get Mark in on the discussion and find out what's been happening this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome to Star Trek Online News, where Mark and I take you through the big news of the week in Star Trek Online. With a week to go before the new expansion, we have the official full-length trailer for Agents of Yesterday, which launches this week on Wednesday, July 6th. The brave crew of the USS Oceanic is facing a no-win scenario, and the ship is being abandoned when time stops and a familiar temporal agent appears. Seconds later, it drops out of what can only be guessed as temporal warp, to a familiar ESD zone surrounded by old, new, and, shall we say, alternate ships. We're recruited as temporal agents now, and there seems to be no going back. Speaking of which, when Agents of Yesterday launches, so will a special event focused around the new TOS faction. These temporal agents will play through the usual story missions that will have something extra added to them. Probes left by the Nakul. Complete a puzzle, unlock and disable the probes, and get added rewards in the process. Using a temporal transponder, these captains were able to obtain further rewards from completing story arcs, gaining reputations, and other aspects of the game. Think Delta Recruitment if you were here around that time to play. The events are very similar. However, there are many benefits that will also unlock for your account, something to think about when considering that three character slot. For example, Completing a specialisation on a TOS character unlocks abilities for all captains on an account. Completing story arcs will give a trait. Reaching level 3 in 3 Admiralty campaigns gives a permanent bonus to expertise given from Admiralty assignments across your account. Completing duty officer commendations can earn you a temporal investigator duty officer also. Added to this, for the first 6 weeks after release of Agents of Yesterday, there will be server-wide tasks for these new characters to contribute to. 
to unlock rewards for all players. Well, in other Agents of Yesterday news, the stats for the new 31st century ships have now been released. The Eternal-class Temporal Science Vessel, the Kronos-class Temporal Dreadnought Cruiser, and the Ouroboros-class Temporal Raider round out the full set of ships that was announced in the Temporal Special Agent Pack. These three ships hail from the 31st century and have an aesthetic that is suitably futuristic, modeled to look similar to the Wells-class and the Paradox Temporal Dreadnought, which you'll recall is highly sought after but pretty pricey at 900 lobi. It's important to note that these ships, unlike the others that we've mentioned in previous weeks, can be used by captains of all factions, not just Federation. The appeal of these ships is really going to be in their sleek designs, their unique traits and consoles, and that molecular deconstruction mechanic, which is the same as on the 23rd and 26th century temporal ships. All three of these new ships come with seating for the new temporal bridge officers, and having two or more of these ships will allow you to make use of their universal console set bonuses, which give you a passive increase to energy weapon damage, and a reduction in recharge time for the consoles within the set. So before I get into whether you'll want to buy these ships or not, I should mention that they're very much set up to be bought as a set. You'll get the most out of them if you can grab two or three and combine their consoles. However, even just one on its own will probably be a solid ship, although whether you want to trade up will have to be a personal choice based on your own playstyle. For instance, the Chronotachyon capacitor that comes with the Kronos-class Dreadnought Cruiser will be useful for tanking players and gives you bonuses to damage and crit chance and severity that will suit many playstyles. Likewise, the tactical system stabilizer that comes with the Ouroboros Temporal Raider gives you weapons haste and decreases recharge time on bridge officer abilities, something that will be useful again to most players. But the causal anchor that comes with the Eternal class science vessel is a clickable exotic attack that probably only existing science captains will find useful. One final thing to mention about these ships is that the science vessel and dreadnought cruiser come equipped with hangar bays, so they'll add a nice extra dimension to your playstyle. But if you're already feeling overwhelmed by all the millions of other abilities you may have, you might find that they add an unnecessary layer of complexity. We'll leave a link to the blog post with the full stats of all the ships in the show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO277. One of the bigger bits of news this past week that wasn't involved in the expansion was the Infinity Lockbox. The All Lockbox drop event is getting completely overhauled. Previously, where we'd be able to pick up past lockboxes in the game, either via Drop or the Lithium Store, are being replaced with this Infinity Box. Basically, it puts all prizes from nearly all retired lockboxes into one massive prize table. This means there's an element of choice that will be introduced, and the blog post gives a perfect example. Quote, you may win an item named Infinity Prize Pack T6 Starship. Upon using or activating this package, you'll be presented with a choice that includes all previously offered Tier 6 Starships, Benton Assault Cruiser, Vadwar Manasa Assault Escort, Krenim Imperium Warship, etc. Choosing any of those entries will reward you with a packed up version of the chosen ship, which can then be kept and opened yourself, or freely traded, sold, gifted to other players. End quote. Prizes in the massive table are listed as a selection of T5 and Tier 6 ships, space and ground traits, as well as other prizes such as consoles, kit modules and manuals, duty officers and crafting packs. The event is currently live in-game and will only be available until Agents of Yesterday releases, which is quite soon. 
And finally, before we move on to tracking the devs, it's time to talk about the featured episode replay event. It's been lurking on the in-game calendar for a few weeks now, and we've finally got details on what will be included. From now through the 14th of July, players can replay old featured episode series for unique rewards that can't be obtained anywhere else. There are four story arcs included in the event, and you should note that the special rewards are character-bound, so you may need to be realistic about which ones you can take on, especially considering that Agents of Yesterday comes out later this week. So let's just go through the four arcs and what you can get. Spectres, aka the Davidian Arc, will get you the Ophidian Cane. You might remember this weapon from the Next Generation episode Time's Arrow, in which the Davidians used the cane to drain the life energy from unsuspecting 19th century San Franciscans. In Star Trek Online, you can use it to inflict stun and psionic damage on ground enemies while boosting your own health. In the 2800, aka the Dominion Arc, you can earn the Shard of Possibilities. Now, according to STO lore, this ground device is a piece of the Orb of Possibilities and can be used to summon two quantum shadows to aid you in combat. What you'll actually want it for, though, is to replicate yourself and hold your own personal dance parties in the social zones. You can also play Cloaked Intentions, aka the Romulan Star Empire arc, and Cold War, aka the Breen arc, in order to get a Riemann Science Bridge Officer and a Breen Tactical Bridge Officer, respectively. So that brings us to this week's community question. Which of the featured episode replay items are you most looking forward to getting? And which other item, including ships, would you like to have another crack at? Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PW and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse. Al Rivera at Captain Gecko tweeted, Star Trek Online Agents of Yesterday launches in one week. Are you ready to get your Gorn on? I love that. That's just awesome. But I have a question to ask you, Mark. Yeah? Are you ready to get your Gorn on? My Gorn is already on. Oh. <laughs> is it now? Yes. Okay. What about you? Um, it's not on at the moment. I'm preparing, preparing the to put on my Gorn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Uh, let's, let's just move, move on. on. <laughs> Jeremy Randall, at Bordicus Cryptic, tweeted, The Zen Exchange is a difficult subject to comment on, but I can confirm that it's the reason I'm looking at our economy reports in detail. Now, I do, I want to talk about this a little bit, mm-hmm. just a tiny just bit, a tiny because I think this is really, really interesting. I mean, Star Trek Online is free to play, and it has relatively an uncontrolled market. Um, I believe there's a, a, a cap on the rate at which you can exchange dilithium for Zen. I believe it's at 500, and we're really, really close to it. Mm. Um, I'm not going to go into the reasons why, mostly because I'm not an expert on that kind of thing. Um, but I think it's really, really interesting that the state of the market in game has actually prompted Bordicus to go in and look at it. I'll, I'll be curious to see what they do, if they do anything. I mean, I know one of the things that people have been asking for is a dilithium sink to help bring that down. Mm, um, yeah, but if we were talking in the Hangouts earlier, weren't we, that just adding a dilithium sink could, you know, isn't necessarily the answer to the problem because then it just it just makes it so that people who are already extremely space rich they just get to have more cool stuff and everybody else still gets left behind. Nah, that's true. So, yeah, so I don't know what they'll do with it, but I will be personally watching it. Um, with rapt attention. Yeah, I blame Brexit. That's it for this week's Star Trek Online news. 
Now let's check in with Jace for some Treklet 101. Hello Captains, this is Jace with the latest edition of Treklet 101. As promised, this month I review The Q Gambit, a six-part story arc, the longest yet, in IDW's Star Trek ongoing comic series. This saga begins in the Prime timeline, with Ambassador Jean-Luc Picard mourning the loss of Spock after the Hobus supernova crisis. However, no sooner than he can say, T, Earl Grey, hot. He's visited by our old friend and extra-dimensional trickster, Q. Right off the bat, I have to say that the dialogue in this volume is top-notch. Throughout all six issues, I was hearing the lines as if spoken by the characters themselves, and especially when bringing Q into the mix, it's crucial that you capture the essence of the character and make your plot feel like a Q adventure. The art is similarly excellent, clean, and recognizable without trying too hard to be photorealistic. It reminded me of a high-quality, cell-shaded animation, but with better detailing. In some prior volumes, there were times I was only able to tell characters apart by context and dialogue, but that was never the case in The Q Gambit. Kudos to writer Mike Johnson and artist Tony Shastine for this one. The story, after our little prelude with Ambassador Picard, involves Q paying a visit to, you guessed it, the alternate universe that we now know as the Kelvin Timeline. Once he reveals himself to the crew of the NCC-1701, in the middle of a crisis, naturally, Q wonders if Kirk truly believes there is no such thing as a no-win scenario, and claims to be testing the captain and his crew. This is all very evocative of Q's appearances in The Next Generation, of course, with the recurring themes of testing humanity, testing Picard, testing Riker, and now Kirk. However, from the frame story in the Prime timeline, we know that Q is not telling the whole story to Kirk and his crew. In any case, he snaps his fingers, and we are off through time and space once again, not to visit the Borg or Robin Hood and his not-so-merry men, but some locations and characters we certainly have not yet seen or heard of in the new films. Without getting too spoiler-heavy, I found this to be a very fun and entertaining Q-romp. The glimpse of the Prime timeline was very nice, tying into Star Trek 09 and the Countdown comics, as well as, of course, Star Trek Online storyline and elements from other series were used without being completely derivative of classic episodes. The characterization was solid, both in the dialogue as I mentioned before, and in the portrayal of the crews involved. Some elements were a little contrived, but no more so in my opinion than in other Star Trek time travel storylines. So far this is definitely my favorite volume of Star Trek ongoing, and it has me eager to finish the series so far next month, by which time beyond will be in theaters everywhere. That's all for this week's Treklet 101. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's first community question was, do you think the new Star Trek fan production guidelines will stymie creativity in fan productions or will it inspire creativity in future storytelling. Mike commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com, A good story will always prevail, but I think that the first clause limiting episode length will be the biggest challenge. The stories will be rather superficial if you cannot have characters or starships, locales, environments that exist for more than 30 minutes. So, all right. 
I have here's my here's my reservation about this, or here's my my devil's advocacy. You have a film like Into Darkness that was like two hours long, and that story was crap. <laughs> so, I mean, what what difference is fifteen minutes versus the ninety minutes that was given to Into Darkness? You know, I think that I think that fifteen minutes, yes, it's limiting, yeah. absolutely, but. I think that you can get into some seriously good cliffhanger stories kind of thing, like leave you wanting more type mm. of stories than if you were to try to flesh it out. You know, it, I was reading an article that summarized an interview that was done between Simon Pegg and, and Doug Young regarding writing for Star Trek Beyond. And, you know, something that they talk about was how the, the story, spoiler alert, is going to pick up two years into their five-year mission, right? So we see an exhausted crew. We see a tired crew that, that wants some R&R. And then, unfortunately, be, just because of the nature of movies, some explosion happens and they have to go fight it. So they're going to have to gloss over those two years. Now, if you read the IDW comics, then technically you're learning about the, the chemistry that, that developed with those characters within those two years, which is something that, that they are trying to encapsulate in a in a short amount of time, right? Relationships have been developed in two years. People have been living on this metal in this metal saucer and tubes for two years, exploring the galaxy, you know, making first contact under under a great deal of pressure. So when when Star Trek Beyond starts, we're gonna see chemistry that maybe didn't exist in Into Darkness or in the first obviously in the first film. Chemistry that that we miss out on that would have really benefited and i think this is where star trek shines is that all the films were after series the tv series the tv series established and helped you understand their chemistry and then the movies ended up just being like really long big budget awesome stories that were long episodes right and you already knew the characters and you didn't have to establish something for Star Trek now in 2009 and, and forward in the in the Kelvin timeline, for new newcomers to the Star Trek universe, that chemistry hasn't really been established. They don't know that. They don't understand the dynamics between Bones and Spock or Bones and Kirk, right? That that camaraderie that we know. So why do I say that? So why why does that why do I have a problem with that? So I think the the, the 15 minutes could fill gaps like that, right? They could fill some of those gaps of of learning about the the chemistry that would happen between characters. I think in that 15 minutes, you can give snippets, glimpses, right? As if though you were looking through a porthole of a starship of what could be happening, right? And then leave the viewer wanting right. more, right? That's, that's kind of what you always want, yeah. right? You always kind of want the audience to want more. Then you know that you had a successful yeah. product. I mean, I think, I think a good writer, a good producer could do something good with it. Which is why I think it's a, a bit exciting because probably you'll force people to be better writers and better producers. But I think the fear is that with only 15 or 30 minutes to tell a story, you could potentially waste a lot of time on exposition of who these characters are and having to explain everything. So if you take a standard Star Trek format of, of a seven-member bridge crew and you try to tell that story in half an hour, you're going to have to spend a lot of time explaining who these characters are, why they're important, and why they're all different people. Ah, exposition's overrated. No, it is, which is why I say that a good writer and a good producer could do something with that where it's show don't tell 
all of that, but it will be a challenge. Paul Kaiser commented via Facebook, Wow, these rules are limiting in my mind. Kills a lot of creativity people had, and it's a downer that previous Star Trek personalities cannot be in them. Yeah, that is a bit of a downer. About that previous Star Trek personalities can't be in them. I, I kind of liked... But why, though? No, why? I, why is it a downer? Yeah, why? I mean, why Why does it matter that... I mean, Star Trek continues. You know, it's not It's not Shatner playing Kirk. No. I don't... I, I'm tired of the... the, the I don't want to see any more Kirk and Spock. Right? You just... You can't... Even, even with continues, despite how how visually stunning Star Trek Continues is and how well written it is, it's still not Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner, and DeForest Kelly, right? It's still not them. So I have to like, it's it's like I, I watch it because I feel like I, I have to as a Trekkie, I, you know, I, I support it and I enjoy it, but it's, it's, it's still not them though, you know, I, the, 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 the layman in me kind of things. No, it's, it's, I, I can't, I can't, I can't really accept this for what it is. So Let's tell different stories. I think it's important that we that we find new stories to tell, new new starships to be on, new planets to explore. Right? Leave leave this the 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 Enterprise to CBS and Paramount, right? Leave leave the Enterprise, leave Voyager, leave Deep Space 9, leave the Defiant, leave it to CBS and Paramount. Yeah. I want to know stories about You know what? I want a Dominion War story. I want I want a story about the Marines who were on the ground and had to fight the Dominion, right? And that's kind of what I liked about Axanar. Axanar wasn't about the Enterprise, right? Axanar was about a character that we heard about in passing in the original series, Garth of Izar, and and his involvement in the, the Three Years' War with the Klingons, right? We never, we never really saw the war with the Klingons. We know about it. Oh, boy, do we know about <laughs> yeah. the war with the Klingons. Boy, do we know it. But we never saw it. We never saw the devastation that that war brought and that was the that was the the that was what excited me about the story of uh, that that Axonar was mm. going to tell so uh, you know the the fan films uh, you know i i that's it i don't i don't want to see any more tuvix uh tuvix i don't want to see any more tuvix and nobody no. wants to see any more tuvix <laughs> you know i that's yeah. it I, i'm I, admiral Chekhov, great good but no i don't i don't know i don't want to see that no, anymore but it is I want to see new No, stories. it's fine, but it is quite nice to have a little bit of a cameo. Like, everybody loved James Doohan when he came back to Next Generation. Like, come on. That's nice. Although, you know, it was it was becoming a little bit of a race to see who can sign on as many old Star Trek actors as possible. And that was getting a bit annoying, really. Because at the end of the day, they're actors. If you pay them to act, they'll act. So, <laughs> it was... It was probably looking like it was lending legitimacy when there probably when there might not have been any, so I was getting a bit bored of that. And this will, you know, these guidelines will prevent that sort of rat race now. But it was sort of nice to see them coming back on in similar roles or even the same role. And it is a bit of a shame. Well, for our next community question, what do you think about officially bringing the Kelvin timeline into Star Trek Online? Tyler Maxwell posted on the STO forums. As someone who has enjoyed the J.J. Verse story, sorry, Kelvin timeline, movies alongside the classics from the Prime Verse, I can't help but want them to be separate. Don't get me wrong, I relish the chance to play around with all the potential new toys alongside the other canon items. Heck, just look at the different Enterprises. One is much bigger than the other, and the newer, even though they're technically supposed to be the same ship from the same era. Obviously there are reasons for that, but it still highlights the clash between them. 
and he goes on to say, the Prime and Kelvin verse content just don't seem like they fit together in the same space. Well, of course they don't fit together in the same space. They are disparate timelines, but I, I, I have a feeling they'll be able to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. There'll, there'll be reasons behind it and it's nice for it included. Oh, you've played it already though, haven't you? I have. Cheeky monkey. Well. And finally, Sean Newboy commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com. As for the JJ-verse in Stowe, meh. Just meh. Meh. <laughs> meh. All right, Captains, that wraps it up for episode 277 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, we need to give a huge shout-out and a special thanks to all of our Patreon supporters, starting with Isaiah Dorsch, Navy Boatslew, Stephen Humphrey, Frederick Redegard, and Rarva. Here's a reminder of this week's community questions. Would you like to see Brent Spiner reprise the role of Data? And in what manner would you like to see it? And from our Star Trek Online segment, which of the featured episode replay items are you most looking forward to getting? And which other item in the game, including ships, would you love to have another crack at? Captains, we love getting your responses, so leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com or you can visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. You can even leave us a voicemail should you dare via SpeakPipe. It's free. Just click on the widget on our homepage. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. That's one the word. And if you're listening to us via iTunes or Google Play, please leave us a review. More importantly, help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To our writer and social media manager, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald. With assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, as Maria DePost, and Gavin LaWarren. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage. Transfer complete. 
You can even send us an email at incoming. You can even send us an email to incoming at. You can even. You can. Ah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Just, you know, shake it out. Shake it out. Wiki, wiki, wiki. Wiki, wiki, wiki. Wiki, wiki, wiki. Excuse me. I was just taking a sip of my martini. I beg your pardon. Was it shaken or stirred? Shaken. Mm. Dry. Nice. Absolutely dry. And totally filthy. Nice. With a bit of olive juice in there. Mm. Oh, yeah. Nice. And her full-length music video is worth checking out for the gorgeous Trek-themed artwork, complete with... <laughs> Send us an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. That's won the word. Won the number. No, uh, yeah, no, won the, won the number for your Twitter handle, but won the word for, won the word for, everything, for everything else. else. What a confusing branding. So <laughs> complete a puzzle, unlock and disable the probes, 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 probes. The Eternal Class Temporal Science Vessel, the Kronos Class Temporal Dreadnought Cruiser, and the Ouroboros Class Temporal Raider round out the full set of ships that was announced in the Temporal. (laughs) It's catching. It is. I was so proud of myself for getting through all those names as well. I know. Well. I was like that. Ouroboros. Well done. Kronos. Kronos? Kronos. The thing is, it's Kronos. 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 It is Kronos class. Yeah. Which is like Kronos, like the planet, yeah. but it's not. It it's totally spelled differently mm-hmm. and it freaks me out. I wonder if anyone else has complained about that yet. We now have. Anyway, we now have... For instance... The Chronotachyon capacitor that comes with the Chronos class dreadnought clue. Clu- oh, it got past Chronotachyon! <laughs> well done. Oh, and then I screwed it up on Cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. For instance, the Chronotachyon capacitor. Ca- uh, oh. Prizes in the massive table are listed as a selection. No, that's it. This is a stuttered on my S. Well, that makes me want to make... Are you a Slytherin? You're not a Slytherin, no, are you? No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Ravenclaw. Hufflepuff. Are you? Yeah, I'm a Ravenclaw. Totally figured you for a Hufflepuff. Thanks. <laughs> I'm totally a Gryffindor. Yeah. <laughs> not that we couldn't really tell that. What do you think Winters is? What would Winters be? I would be? say Winters is a Hufflepuff. Do you think? Yeah. I don't think he'd like you saying I know. that. Someone has to be the Hufflepuff. I think he could be a Slytherin, you know. I was going to say that's Elijah. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I do you know what? I think Elijah probably is a Slytherin, but like because you, you know like when the sorting hat sorts Harry mm-hmm. and it, and, it, and they choice. find out afterwards that he he, he kind of has the choice between the two. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that happened to Elijah as yeah. well. In the fictional world where we all <laughs> live in Portland. It's fine. Yeah. Although me I went straight to Gryffindor. Yeah. No, I went straight into Ravenclaw. Obviously. I want to yep. do the new one, though, where it tests what one you're in for the North American school. Oh, right. Uh, Il- is it Ilvermory? Ilvermory. Uh, we're getting... We're getting really off yeah, topic. Yeah, uh, we do this after. Okay. So cut the last, like, five minutes of Harry Potter talk. Yeah, yeah. Accio sense. Accio sense. <laughs> yeah. Accio, back to the script. <laughs> Scripto repero. Yeah. <laughs> this is Elijah. Feedback. Sync one. This is Kenna. Feedback. Sync two.
Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> you were like, you're you like, oh, I'm going to hit the big red button in three, two. This is Elijah. Feedback. Sync one. <laughs> <laughs> you do like, you like snapped into radio voice. This is Mark. Feedback. Sync three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Feedback in three, two. Well, captains, this is the part of the show where I can't speak and pronounce consonants. <laughs> you mean like every well, other part of the show? <laughs> <laughs> Burn. Captains, we know we love hearing from you. Know we we love we know that you love hearing from we us. We know we know we know that you love hearing from us. Ah, all right. And more importantly, help spread the word by by See, I went off script and I screwed it up. Can't do it. And don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims at... Red alert! Shields up! Ready weapons! Engage! Actually, should I re-record that bit? What, What do I usually say? Enemy ship on sensors. <laughs> I don't know what you're... I don't know. A, I Captain, don't, the big red light is moving towards the <laughs> green light. What? What are you saying? <laughs> the red light is moving towards the green <laughs> light. <laughs> All right, everybody hit stop. <laughs>